Hey everyone, we're here today with Tyler Coffey from We Heart It. How's it going, Tyler? Hey everyone. And Sahil Verma from Branch Metrics. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Looking good, Sahil. Hey. Uh, and today we're going to talk about mobile growth through the lens of We Heart It. Uh, Tyler, um, I'll probably let you introduce yourself, but you work over at We Heart It, is that right? Yeah, so I'm a product manager at mobile over at We Heart It. I oversee our Android and iOS platforms. Um, and so, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about how can we make our app more viral, how can we get it in the hands of more people. Mm -hmm. So everything from feature development to optimization, it all falls under things that I have to think about on a day-to-day -day basis. And how did you end up at We Heart It, out of curiosity? Uh, that's a good question. So I have a friend there who is also a product manager, and when he told me that they were looking for a new product manager, I said, that sounds interesting. I had used, <laughs> used We Heart It a couple times since he... Um, it started his job there, and so it just worked out to be a good fit. And uh, what were you doing before, exactly? Um, before, I was actually in the Washington, D.C. area, just doing kind of general IT consulting. Um, and I had been basically an owner's representative on a bunch of projects. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just a lot of requirements kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really excited for the opportunity to move out here because working in the world of like consumer products is so much more exciting than government and like large businesses. So yeah, I, I was imagine. happy to make the transition. And so for some people who uh, maybe have never used WeHeartIt, hopefully hopefully not, but what exactly is WeHeartIt? Uh, WeHeartIt is an awesome app. You should go download it now. Uh, WeHeartIt.com is the website, which is how we started, but we also have a pretty awesome iOS and Android native app. Um, we are a community of people who love beautiful photography and we like to think that we inspire our users with beautiful images that they can see of anything that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, so we, some people have made, said that we look a little bit like Tumblr, a little bit like Pinterest, mm -hmm. a little bit like Instagram. We like to think that we take the best elements from those guys and add a little bit of our own magic mm -hmm. um, to form the positive community that we have on We Hearted. That's so cool. We, we do appeal uh, to a pretty young audience, are yeah. most of the people that we see in our demographic, or the large majority I should say, is uh, young ladies ages 13 to 24 or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a time in your life when you need to have, uh, you know, you're looking for a positive reinforcing experience. And so we, whenever we roll out a feature or think about our audience, um, we want to make sure that they feel safe and protected and uh, like they're getting a positive experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Today, we, we kind of want to talk more about uh, just growth in general. And so one thing that I'm curious is how, how has like the story of We Heart It's growth been? You know, like what's top of mind for you in helping drive great features that help grow your guys' app? Sure. So we've actually been around for a long time. Um, I'm sure that I'm getting this a little bit wrong, but I believe we started as a website in Brazil back in 2010, mm -hmm. um, give or take a year. And uh, we, you know, it was all, or we've been organic growth the entire time for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and so our founder created We Heart It because he needed a way to organize the images that he was looking for better. Um, and so he was in, he was a designer uh, working on uh, some kind of computer science degree and uh, created We Heart It. And his friends started to see it and said, hey, can you give me access to that? I want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of took off from there as a website. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward a couple of years. Uh, we hit 2013, our iOS app came out. Um, shortly thereafter, in late 2013, our, I, our Android app came out. Mm -hmm. um, and so since then, we've seen a fairly large explosion in growth. Um, definitely, our mobile apps definitely fueled our growth. And um, today, 80 to 90% of our traffic on a monthly basis is mobile. Hmm. And so 
what then in particular, like, what do, you, what do you think is driving this organic growth? And like, in, in your mind, what do you think does it for organic users? So for us, we think it's a combination of word of mouth, uh, that there are just people who enjoy the experience enough that they're talking to their friends and getting to download it. Um, we also rank pretty well in terms of Google image search, mm -hmm. particularly for pieces of content that we, we heart it has a lot of. So mm -hmm. we're pretty big for fashion and beauty and makeup and all the things that, um, you know, young ladies tend to like. Um, there are also some random ones, like Greek quotes is an SEO term that seems to keep rising up really high for some reason. Um, so I think there's a couple things that play into it. One is making sure that you make it really easy for users to share your content and make sure that they have a way to get other people into the app. So what does that look like, um, operationally speaking, like for developers? What does it mean to make sure it's easy to get them their app? Like what are some practical things? So, uh, iOS and Android both have started, or iOS recently, Android for a long time, has made it really easy to share natively within the app. Mm -hmm. And so being able to place the intent sheet on Android or the share sheet on iOS um, in a place that a user is expecting it. So I think the real key here is make it contextual. If a user has just finished creating something in their app, like for us, if you have just finished creating a collection, and it's something that you're proud of, and it's something that you might, this might be a time that you want to share this piece of content that you've just created. So having an option or a call to action there um, is a great time to say, hey, share this out with somebody that mm -hmm. is important to you. Mm -hmm. So another thing that we found makes a really big difference on uh, when you share out is what the copy is. Um, mm -hmm. So don't underestimate playing around, running an experiment. Uh, you know, if you don't have a lot of resources, putting a bunch of different phrases that say the same thing in front of your friends. Um, because getting the right copy to the, that matches with your audience is really important. And that's for the, the native sharing, is what, you say, what you're saying? Or where, where does copy really matter, just throughout the entire app? Or? So yeah, so in this context of if I've just created a collection and we want to prompt the user to share that with other mm -hmm. people, we want to make sure that the call to action there makes sense and is something that the user will connect with. So, Got it. You know, the first pass, you might want to say something like, oh, share your collection. But when you think about it, you might, want to, you might want to think about, well, what is the value to the user here? So we might want to start tweaking the copy to say something like, you know, your friends might appreciate this collection. Share it with them now. Mm -hmm. Or uh, get more followers on your collection. Uh, send this link out and get your friends to follow it now. So mm -hmm. I'm obviously not a copy editor. <laughs> um, but, but those are, you know, we think about the copy conceptually that way. Yeah, and I'm curious, how do you guys think about sharing channels? I mean, I think uh, WeHeart has its kind of own special way of sharing, but do you guys do sharing over other channels like email, SMS, and have you guys played with those at all in the past? Uh, yeah, so we used to rely very heavily on email because that's how, when we started, that's how it was. And like most good startups, if it isn't broken, you don't fix it. Mm -hmm. um, but we recently, or not recently, a couple of years ago, we took a look at a lot of our email sharing um, and found that people just weren't using it a lot and our email newsletters weren't getting a lot of traffic. And so we really started to focus on how people in our demographic, which trends young, does share. So another point that I'd like to emphasize is when you're thinking about your audience, do some research, find out how they're interacting with each other. So, and figure out in the context of if you're selling something, like how are they finding out how to buy things from their friends? If they're looking at beautiful pictures, find out how they're sharing that stuff with their friends. So one thing that we decided to do, which I've mentioned already, is integrate with the native share sheet. Mm -hmm. um, and so that took out the problem of having to send an SMS 
and make this clunky process or send an email and make this clunky process that people didn't want to use and it puts the choice in their hands. So I click share, that share sheet opens up for me and then all of the options that I'm used to sharing with are right there. That's great. So, and there is obviously some work that will go into um, adding in things like Facebook Messenger and Kick Messenger and WhatsApp are not, not necessarily all ready to go out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not natively built into the share sheet, at least not at the time of this podcast recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's worth the extra development work. If you know that people are going to share there, you take out, um, taking out the friction is really important. Hmm. And so coming back to your, your high-level domain, I'm sorry for kind of interrupting there, but you said there's a couple things. There's like um, making it easy to share, copy matters. What are some of these other things that you, that you might have mentioned? Yeah, so context, so copy matters, context matters. Mm-hmm. Um, reducing the friction mm-hmm. of whatever action you're trying to get them to take matters. So, and then the fourth thing that I would say, these are like the four things that I've learned in my time at WeHearted, yeah. is that people don't read a lot. So keep it concise. Um, and that's just everywhere or in one place in particular? Uh, so I think this is probably somewhat specific to our audience. Um, teenagers, you know, I just read an article the other day talking about how teenagers have an eight second filter on everything. So that puts in the context for me that the people that I'm trying to reach, I have eight seconds to get their attention. It takes more than eight seconds to read what they're trying, what I'm trying to tell them, I need to find another way to say it. Yeah, I think uh, you know, getting to know your audience can, or get get to know, getting to know your audience and how they connect with information and how they share information is really, really valuable. Yeah. So the way that I spend a lot of my time is either you know we have a panel of users assembled that I get to ask these questions of. Mm-hmm. We do put out random surveys asking about how they communicate with their friends, um, and it's worth you know reading some case studies, like most of the major networks out there do put out case studies and what their demographics are. And so figure out where your audience lives and try to, try to figure out how to tap into that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really interesting. I, I think one thing very similar in line with the advice you gave about all these different ways to grow your app is um, possibly not only how to grow your app, but also how to make sure the features that you're implementing your app are really cool and make a difference. Yeah. And so I guess like a good starting point would probably be to ask, you know, what, what's a great experience where you've built a really awesome feature at WeHearted that has been really successful and, and why? And then what's kind of like the polar opposite of that? Where, where's an experience of implementing a feature um, that didn't really go so well and why did that not work out? Sure. So I actually have two good examples. Um, the, I'll tell the story of the good feature first because it's top of mind and it's an exciting feature. So on WeHearted, being the positive social community that we are, we decided as a company about six months ago that we wanted to implement a messaging feature, mm-hmm. um, which had been at the time the most requested feature on WeHearted. Um, and so we took great care about what does this mean, uh, how can we make sure that people aren't going to be bullying each other on it, what is it going to look like. And so we finally rolled out a couple, about a month ago a feature that we call Postcards, which is a one-to-one messaging between between users mm-hmm. and it associates a picture with a message and you can toggle back and forth between message and picture. We have this cool little blur transition um, which works and so we immediately saw this take off Excuse me. Um, our, <laughs> our users picked it up uh, pretty quickly and uh, we've, we've seen good growth in this and so this is something that we are looking to as both a growth hook for the future so we've started to implement ways that people can share these things outside of WeHearted as opposed to just to people inside of WeHearted. Um, and also just 
we're now focusing on making it better, but the response rate that we've seen is really good. So that was the good feature. Mm -hmm. um, the feature that went horribly wrong, and I have a few lessons learned on this one, is one that we call inspirations. Okay. Um, and so we, like I said, we're a photo sharing platform, and, um, and so this inspirations is this, this grouping of images into categories, which we call inspirations. And uh, it was, it's a way that we were able to curate through a few um, search term matching rules, matching on tags, matching on descriptions, um, a curated feed of images related to the inspiration that you're looking at. Um, and so we had built, we spent a lot of time building this, uh, I would say, eight months ago. Mm -hmm. And we decided at the same time, in the same sprint, that we were going to put in a new uh, experimentation platform. So the way that we look at users is on a user-by-user -user basis, a person-by-person -person basis, and the experimentation platform was looking at it on a device-by-device -device basis. So mm, if okay. I was a user with a tablet and a handset, um, you know, I would show up twice in the experiment. Got or it. if I uninstalled on one device and then reinstalled, um, I may or may not still be in the experiment. Mm -hmm. So there was a few logistical problems there. Short story is, uh, we got no meaningful data out of the experiment, <laughs> um, and so we decided to scrap inspirations. So we later, so after that experiment, we figured out that that was not the best system to use. So we ended up building our own in-house experimentation tool. And I said, I want to rerun the inspirations experiment. I'm not convinced that there wasn't uh, something there. Because we had been seeing a lot of bad reviews in the Play Store. Mm -hmm. um, we had been having people write in to say, where did inspirations go? So this was clearly a feature that people had interested in, but we didn't know why it wasn't moving the needle on any data. Mm -hmm. So we built the new experimentation system, ran it again, and we were seeing a 10-point increase in retention um, above people who were seeing our traditional experience. Ooh. So obviously a big mistake, and I think mm -hmm. one big lesson learned here is when you're thinking about doing a feature, make sure when you're building it, you're thinking about both measuring it in terms of experimentation mm -hmm. and in terms of just analytics in general from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because if you start there, it, I, I promise it will make your life so much easier uh, down the line when things get more complicated. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so with with that in mind, we end, we are now in the middle of building inspirations, which you'll be able to see in a few weeks on WeHearted. Um, it looks awesome, and I'm really excited for it. So that's some good news for people who miss inspirations, then. Yes. <laughs> uh, it is. It is one of the highest requested features on our internal tracking system right now. How, how do you guys deal with um, going back to that point about? Um, internal ratings and, and just the way that people are, uh, you know, talking about your app on the, the Play Store on iOS, what do you do when a user, you know, writes in requesting a feature that doesn't exist or gives you a bad review? Like, how do you guys deal with that? Because bad reviews can really, really hurt, yeah, especially early on yeah. for and developers. They, and they really move what position you take in the App Store, which really drives your visibility. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, number one, grow some thick skin. You're going to get a lot of people who will always say mean things, and you just have to get used to that. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, there is a vocal minority, and you should be aware that it's usually the vocal minority that you are hearing. So uh, when in doubt, try to rely on data. So look at, you know, do some, some, some word analysis on your reviews. Make sure that it actually is a large number of people requesting a feature and not just you know some small segment who of ten people who got ten of their friends each to say to write in. Um, Does that so, happen? Uh, you know I haven't seen it myself, but I have like knowing how people operate, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I have seen you know one person make several accounts and write in with almost an identical comment. Oh uh, wow! You know, so it's. 
people will do strange things to get to get themselves heard. Um, so, so yeah, I forget what one and two were, but number three, no, never mind. No, no, no. Yeah, your your first and second one. First one was uh, grow thick skin. Second one is uh, ignore the vocal minority. Um, there doesn't have and, to be a third one. <laughs> well, no, and so number three, like you, if you don't have a way to track it right now, like that is somewhat to your detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in this day and age, everything, every decision you make should be backed by some kind of data. It can be qualitative if you don't have good tracking and like send out a survey, try to get an honest opinion from people about it. Um, but where you can like look at the counts of tickets and the categories that it's, that you're hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we look at, we start by looking at what is the business goal that we're trying to solve right now. Then we look at what are the user requests we have coming in and we think about how can we marry the two to meet the business goal. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in that respect, what are some of the, the most suggested or your most uh, uh, like favorite tools to use to get some of this data to kind of go after this objective? And I mean very specifically, you know, when you think about how apps actually get data for testing different features or testing whatever they want inside the app, you have um, you know, just like pure attribution, you have organic and paid attribution, you have in-app usage analytics, you have, um, you know, like post-app usage marketing, which can be something like what Urban Airships does, or Kahuna. Uh, how, do you, how do you think about all these different tools? How do you think about integrating them? You know, like, obviously it's a, a huge choice to go and like integrate with this big analytics person, and it seems like there's a million different domains you could dive into. So how do you make that choice and how do you pick people to, to invest in? That is a really tough question to answer. And I would say if you're starting out on, and you're new and you don't have a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, it is fine to use your own internal data warehouse. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you're when you're recording events in your app that you're actually having like a stats counter on it mm-hmm. so that you can go and run queries against whatever data you're storing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say fairly early on, like do some interviews, figure out the way that you're trying to grow, talk to talk to some partners about it. I think involving a partner in the conversation about where you are and where you want to go is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so evaluate on, on that kind of criteria. Um, so we, in-house, we use Google Analytics, um, which we've just, we've had them for a long time. They're, it's a little slow, but it is a good product. It's solid, uh, it's versatile. Um, I'm not sure if you're looking for me to make actual product recommendations. <laughs> no, yeah, no, totally up to you. No, I was just curious. Uh, I think, no, I, I, I think just generally for dev developers or young devs, it's always an interesting thing because there are so many different options, and I think that makes it very difficult, right? Because they don't. I think there's always this uh, saying where they want to be using what everybody else is using because they want to make sure they get it right. And when, you're, when you've already integrated people and you've already done the hard work of going out and scoping the market, then you actually know that even though there's a ton of players, it's actually just a big fit thing. But I think it's yeah. a little scary when you're young dev because there's so many options. You don't know who to use. You don't want to pay too much or, you know, um, I think, I, I think the, the logic of just talking to them is... Uh, sometimes forgotten so I think that's good no I mean make it a conversation and have more than one person be involved in that conversation Mm -hmm. because what you may walk away from in a sales pitch is completely different than what somebody else does Mm -hmm. and the other thing the other advice that I would give is when you're in a sales pitch from somebody like this make sure you have your hard questions ready to go beforehand and you're ready to to ask 
to know very specifically like what will define your success. Because if you can't answer that for yourself, then the salesperson definitely won't be able to, and you'll end up with, a, with an implementation that you're definitely not happy with. Yeah. So know, know, moving, know from the very beginning like what are your metrics and what's important to you. Yeah. And don't be afraid to make a salesperson come back to you on, with more information. If they don't know right then, or you're getting a wishy-washy answer, they're there to convince you. So don't, don't, like don't be stonewalled by a bad answer. I like that. Um, yeah, and I mean, my, my other question in, I guess, a similar thread is, what do you tell, what's like your, your, your top of the world view on, you know, building your app? Like, what is the advice you give to entrepreneurs if, like, who are building their own app for the first time? Uh, obviously coming from a, a product manager perspective where you understand like a little bit more from a high level view what it means to drive really cool features inside of an app. I would say build something that you're passionate about but don't let the feature run away with you. Hmm. So I think it's really easy to start with a big vision that might be kind of broad and then to have a brainstorm and get caught up on one specific feature. Um, and so you go through tons of development time making something that's really complicated and at the end of the day it's really hard to kind of tie back to what your overall goals were from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So just, it's really important to have a clear understanding of where you're starting, where you're going, and be able to, on your roadmap, be able to say how the feature relates back to what the goal is. Mm. Yeah. And, and, like it's, and, and it's okay to MVP it. I didn't used to believe this. I had a really hard time kind of coming around to this, but, you know, people have a tolerance for things not working quite right. So as long as you can collect some data and improve and iterate and collect some data and improve and iterate, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's okay to MVP continually. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually just about to, to ask if uh, the MVP model was a, a great way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how, in my mind, you can't know exactly what your users want. You can have an idea of what they want, but until mm -hmm. you actually see the data on how they're using it and how they're interacting with it, or how they're responding in a qualitative survey about it, mm -hmm. um, you don't know exactly what you're building. You just have a good idea. So yeah, it's true. So measure and improve. Measure and improve. I take, like that. Take more small swings instead of one big swing. 